Ladies and gentlemen, people of all gender expressions, thank you for checking out the North Bank Media Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Strevens. Joining me on the show this morning was Brandon Knudsen. He's a filmmaker, an actor, film set worker, who uh, resides just outside of Edmonton in a town called New Norway, Alberta, which I was bugging him saying I didn't think it was a real town, but it turns out it is. Um, and it's ironic in some ways because of his Norwegian heritage that he lives in a town called New Norway. Uh, we talked a little bit about small town living and blue collar life and, and of course touched on a lot of things filmmaking and cinema related. Um, his latest piece is a, a short film called There Will Come a Day and the trailer is available. I'll link to all that in the show notes. It's very interesting because for a lot of it he would set up the camera and then he is also acting in the in the film which I think gives it a very interesting sort of almost art film type vibe and definitely you have to commend the hard work and desire to do something like that you know making movies with a team is hard enough but to do it more or less on your own is uh, another matter entirely so great conversation um he had a lot to say uh we touched on like I said all sorts of things filmmaking related but also you know self-betterment and uh, work ethic and all those sorts of things. So uh, a great guest, a great conversation. Please enjoy my discussion with Brandon Knudsen. Yeah, I've listened to like uh, the ones with Sam and Justin and that stuff. Okay, right on. So you know those guys pretty well, huh? Mm-hmm. Worked with them quite a lot. Okay, that's cool, man. Well, I am rolling, so uh, we'll just. Oh, uh, awesome! Yeah, we'll just take it to take it away. Um, you know what's funny, Brandon, is like you said you live in. Do you live in New Norway now, or you you don't live there anymore? You live in Edmonton. Uh, I live there right now, just okay. because uh, with the pandemic and everything, I was living in Edmonton for the last two years. Okay. And then now I live there again just because I couldn't afford to keep living in Edmonton for a while because of lack of work and sure. stuff like that. But. I thought it was funny because I feel like every month, once a month, I hear of a town in Alberta that I've never heard of before. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so. <laughs> so here's another one. When you when you released your trailer and I, you said it was shot in New Norway, I was like, where the hell is that? So <laughs> Yeah, so it's only an hour south of uh, uh, Edmonton, actually. Okay. You just follow Highway 21, and then okay, it'll just take you right all the way to New Norway. How many? Do you yeah. know the population roughly? Or uh, I do not. Uh, definitely not more than 300. I think. Oh God! Oh, so it's a like it, it's not, it's not even technically like a town. It's just a village essentially. Okay. But like we have a school and a gas station. That's about the extent of what we have, <laughs> and then just a bunch of houses and a. Yeah water tower but that's about it <laughs> wow hey so that's but so that had to have obviously impacted the way you grew up right like did you i guess when you when you got a little older and you first came to edmonton or whatever were you were you i mean you're not that far out of edmonton i guess what i'm getting at is like do you do you feel that small town roots kind of in your in your being oh yeah 100 percent. it's there's like a lot of times like the last two years like i said i was living in Edmonton and everything and uh had a roommate and mm-hmm. we were and I was just all of a sudden right in the middle of like I was just just off of White Ave okay. so all of a sudden it was like going from like being out <laughs> in the middle of nowhere to like just almost in this 
center of things and you're just kind of like this is a new experience mm-hmm. but it and there are the points where you do miss like just the quiet of the countryside and that sure. stuff and so then on some weekends i would come back out and visit my parents and that stuff and then mm-hmm. um but i do love just being out in the countryside and it just there's a totally different atmosphere compared to the city and that stuff but right. it is nice when you're in the city that uh you can just go around the corner and the grocery store is right, right there it's not a 25 minute drive to Camrose to go pick up groceries or something like that sure you don't have to go that kill kick. kill your own food and quarter it right there <laughs> <laughs> exactly <laughs> I, I hear that like there's days when i'm like i live on the west end here in edmonton and there's days when like i'm out in the back and it's like the neighbors are out and everybody's ripping around and it's just like I can't, I, I hate this. I hate this. It's yeah. too close. I find is what it is. There's no privacy and there's too much, you know, and you don't, you obviously grew up not having to deal with that sort of thing. Pretty much. It, like I did notice that it's like you sit in the backyard and all of a sudden the neighbors are out and one of them wants to talk to you and that stuff. <laughs> and all you want to do is just like, you just want to sit there quietly and just yes. relax after mm-hmm. like weeks of working or something like that. And you're like, Oh, I really just, want to sit here with my beer and just not talk to anybody <laughs> right but then, stuff like that. but then you're that guy you're like you're, you're that grumpy guy you know yeah <laughs> and you're trying not to be that you're trying to be as friendly as possible but it's just right like, and it's not like it doesn't happen out here in the country either it's just um usually it's somebody that's taken a wrong turn and some for some reason they accidentally drive into your drive driveway for some reason oh, okay and they assume that it's a road for some reason but <laughs> and then uh or you get before well before the pandemic we would get like jehovah's witnesses or stuff like that and so it's just like you either just have the curtains closed or you just sit quietly in the house and just hope they go away eventually (laughs) or (laughs) yeah i guess you can get away with that in the country you could climb up onto the watchtower and maybe fire off a couple warning rounds (laughs) pretty much (laughs) we get a lot more creative than that like um especially like my grandpa he's like this is just a funny little story like he had a jehovah's witness show up the one time and he has like he used to have like the friendliest dog in the world mm. but he was a big dog okay and uh he was coming back from the fields and he's driving the tractor along and the guy's walking up and he's just like almost there and my grandpa noticed that uh the dog was on its way from the field and it was like running and when he gets when he sees somebody that he doesn't know he gets excited because he's just like oh somebody who will pet me and that kind of stuff right and this dog was, he, my grandpa turned to the guy and he's like, how fast can you run? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and the dog's like running towards him because he's excited that he's like, somebody's going to pet me. Sure, sure. Well, now the guy's got it in his head that the dog's going to attack him and that stuff and runs back to his car and takes <laughs> off and they leave and that stuff. So you get a little creative sometimes out in the countryside. Hey, I like that. It's just a way to have some fun with it here and there. <laughs> keep, Yeah, keep it exciting, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I, I guess that's the trade-off, right? Is like, like you say, you can be alone. You can be alone with your thoughts. You don't see a lot of outsiders. But d- can it get boring in those small town or those rural? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Like there's, it does get to the point where it's like you're needing something to do or that stuff. And there's not a lot that's necessarily, even in cameras, there's not like a lot to do mm-hmm. where it's like all of a sudden I go to, Edmonton and it's like there's like uh go-kart tracks there's <laughs> escape rooms there's all these different things that sure. you can do and and it's just like it's like a not that I think Camrose just finally got like an escape room a few years back okay. or something like that and there's they used to have like a laser tag thing there for a while but oh. <laughs> and that got, got shut down but sure yeah totally man and, and also in the city there's more uh, potential for uh making new friends if you will 
Yeah, absolutely. It's, <laughs> it's, it's kind of like uh, the other day, like I went to go pick up the mail and I ran into my old music teacher and that stuff. And, oh, wow. Uh, from like school and chatted with him. But it's, it, it's like, you know, you're not as likely to run into anybody out in the city where it's like in the countryside, mm. maybe like, like every second person is somebody you know. That's interesting. Or like you went to school with or it's their parents or something like that. More so of a, there is that aspect. Interesting. Yeah. It's like a tighter knit community, even if it's like a smaller community. Yeah. That's cool, man. But there are times where I've uh, run into people that I know, like in Edmonton, which it's like, you know, Edmonton's not a small city. No. And you're all of a sudden, it's like you're in Bonnie Dune and you're walking through the mall and it's like, hey, like, what are the chances of running into this person here right. and that stuff? No. And those are freaky moments sometimes when you don't expect it. Yeah. To see that familiar face in an unfamiliar place, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Like I've had that where it's like, it takes your brain a minute to process right. the fact that it's like you're talking to this person that you've known a long time, mm-hmm. but it's in an area you're unfamiliar with. <laughs> oh, I know. it. So I guess I've been talking to some folks and I don't want to have you sell your community down the river here or anything like that. <laughs> but um, there is also something to be said for the small town living that seems to breed a certain... Um, exclusive or I guess inclusive or exclusiveness you know did you growing up were there instances of uh you know prejudice or racism or anything like that and again this is definitely coming out of left field on you but it's something I've noticed where small towns can breed I'm not saying exclusively breed that sort of it's a tribalism you know was that something that you were privy to ever uh there are like the few instances, but it's it's more of like just how the people that are like the grandparents or the uh, parents have grown up, like what their mm-hmm. lifestyle was like. Because right. you know you're not really necessarily going to find a lot of diversity in small towns. Mm-hmm. It's not very too not too often, but mm-hmm. uh, there are the occasional like indigenous people or you know African American people and that kind of stuff. But like it's very few and far between. Right. So it's like when you're kind of like in an environment where it's, it does tend to be a lot of like white people or stuff like that. Mm -hmm. It, I think it can happen in some instances, but it's also depends on how you were raised by your parents. So it's like if they're trying not to be a certain way, so then they kind of just teach you that it's like, it's okay to, you just look at people for who they are uh, in their personality and uh, their morals rather than judge them by their skin color because it's, at the end of the day, we're all the same, but it's the fact that it's, if some, like, uh, there's always, there was this phrase that I heard years ago that was, uh, judge somebody by how they treat others and not how they treat you. Hmm. Because if they're treating you well, they want something from you, <laughs> but they'll turn around and yell at the waiter for no reason. Sure. And, uh, so if, like, what's to say that if you weren't that waiter, they wouldn't yell at you kind of thing. That's and, a, that's interesting, actually. Yeah. So, like, it, it kind of was something that I looked at, and it's like you just judge people by their own merit and how hmm. the kind of uh, energy they give or something like that, just sure. personality-wise. Right on. And that was kind of how you were raised in your fa- immediate family? Yeah, exactly. That's pretty much how my parents raised me, and just to respect others, work hard, and mm-hmm. they'll if people see you are a hard worker, they'll respect you in that aspect and right on if you're good to others but also don't lay down and 
take shit from anybody kind of just sure. be willing to stand up for what you believe in as well. Cool. Yeah. Cause I, I noted in your biography that you sent me like your, your background, like your family's background is pretty blue collar. Yeah. And I assume there's gotta be some farming too in that. Or yeah, is that my, fair? Uh, my uh, grandpa, my papa on my uh, mom's side of the family, he's a farmer. Okay. And then there's my uncle who's a farmer and uh, my dad's uh, works uh, is he's a pipe fitter. Okay. Uh, he works in like kind of essentially like the oil industry and that stuff. And mm-hmm. then I've got, uh, my grandpa on my dad's side, he was a trucker for many years. Okay. And so like, it's, it's, I've just always been around like very blue collar type atmospheres. But mm-hmm. Well, I find it, I do find it fascinating because sometimes in the blue collar or in the sort of rural setting, there can be that stereotype that they are prejudiced, that they are, there is racism there, whatever, but on the, and maybe there is, but whatever. But on the flip side of that, that, that hard work and that looking out for yourself, looking out for your own, I think that sometimes gets lost in the, in the sort of liberal urban view. It's like these people also tend to work very hard and work shitty, dangerous jobs to make the, the economy tick too, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Like it, and I, I've had that conversation with my parents many times where it's like, you know, we're kind of living in this time where people look down on a blue collar type jobs right now mm. because of they just assume that everybody is a racist and everybody's mm. like this. But it's like, no, like these are people that are working hard to make a living to support their families or just to make a living, like I said. And mm-hmm. all of a sudden it's like you got people that are, you know, like I understand there are people that want to protect the environment and that stuff. But Mm. you got to understand that you're taking these, you're trying to take people's jobs away Mm -hmm. when there's nothing else for them at this moment that they could transition to. Right. Necessarily. And so it gets a little, uh, almost kind of feels like a more personal sometimes Mm. just for the fact that it's like, I, I feel this way. So I'm going to destroy your life so that my (laughs) life can be better kind of thing. Yeah, that's 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 a good point actually it does feel that attack on the economy on that's on someone's livelihood and i can understand why why that would ruffle some feathers and why then in those scenario in those you know communities people then reel back from any other kind of big big ideas it's like okay fine but also you're taking a, a real crack at my at my life here yeah at, at me as a person not not any ideas but you know me as a person yeah, absolutely. So, um, what then was the sort of reaction in your um, among your family when you came out and said, "Well, I, I'm going to make movies and I'm going to act." Uh, <laughs> <laughs> definitely. Like with my parents, they were very supportive of like my sister and I to follow our dreams because, like, with my parents, they were uh, more or less just always had to work. Especially like my dad; he's technically been working since he's been 12 years old. Wow. He's just never really stopped working. Mm-hmm. He's just always had to have a job and that kind of stuff. Sure. So like he's worked on like turkey farms and huh. just farms in general. And then he was a trucker for a little while. Like he's had, he's just always had to have, he's just always had a job and mm-hmm. that stuff. And, uh, and then my mom, she was, she grew up on a farm. So, and she worked there most of her life. And then, and then she, her and, my dad got married and then they had me not too long after and that stuff. But it was just the fact that it's like, you know, they kind of saw that it's like, 
I just loved watching TV shows and movies. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like when the movie was over, they would get up off the couch and go do something else. I would go into the bonus features and learn how they did everything. And I would just try and study that and just learn how everything's done and that stuff. Cause I just wanted to know, I just wanted to know right. how it all worked and how it all, all happened and that stuff. And then you see all the footage and that stuff. And you're just like, it get, it got me excited about that idea. But I think it wasn't until like late in high school that I decided it was kind of what I was leaning towards Okay, eventually, but it was, they were def. my parents were definitely very supportive of me going after this, going after acting and directing and that kind of stuff and writing and that stuff, just because they were like, I had done a couple little things in high school and mm. they could see that it's like, Hey, you got a knack for this. Like you should follow that and not just ignore it or whatever. Oh, right on. Well, that's great. That's great to hear. Yeah. I was about probably that same, like late in high school when I took a video production course and it was like, you finally was like, this is it. This is the thing. Yeah. This is the thing. Whatever yeah. it takes to do <laughs> at that age, you don't really quite understand how the industry works and it's probably changed in the years since then, but oh I'm, yeah, I'm glad to hear that uh, was that your folks were supportive. How about in the community more broadly? Was there because I had experiences of being you know laughed at because I I got an arts degree from the university, so I studied like yeah. film theory, and yeah. it was like, what are you gonna do? Paint? Someone actually said, what are you gonna do? Paint my toolbox? And it's, <laughs> It's like, well, no, oh, <laughs> but but you know what I'm getting at here? Like, did you ever face, Yeah, I, I'm trying to paint a little bit of a picture. Maybe it's too simple, but uh, about someone pursuing no, an artistic pursuit. Yeah. Like the, like people, like when they assume artists, they just picture like, you're going to be painting stick figures for a living right. or right. stuff like that. And it's like, no, no, no. Like the, it's like, it's funny. Cause like when I, like in the community, there's been a lot of supportive people. Mm. And I've been very fortunate that a lot of people like that I do know mm-hmm. in this town are very supportive of me, not just jumping into the oil field or jumping into right just a typical thing that's around there. It's mm-hmm. like, hey, you're actually going to try and go do something that is what you want to do, not what is almost just so regularly seen. And that is in this area that it's like, oh, you're just going to just stay with the status quo almost. Okay. Oh, that's that kind interesting. Of thing. But. Yeah. So they're almost like pulling for you in a way. It's like, yeah, do it, man. Do something different for a change. Yeah. Well, like, because uh, like, uh, the last year of high school was so much fun for me because I, I did really good in language arts mm-hmm. in the last year because it was there were so many times where we were watching movies and we had to analyze them and we had to break them down and break mm-hmm. down the characters and that stuff like you do when you actually do writing. Right. So like I'm sitting there and I'm like, all of a sudden I'm getting like really good grades because I'm breaking down the characters in these movies. Like we watch like dead poet society and then we watch like the outsiders and uh, the King's speech and like all these different, like really well made movies. And Mm -hmm. you had to break down the characters and you had to analyze everything. And so all of a sudden it was, I didn't know why I was doing really well at it, but it just, I really didn't realize I was always doing it with the shows that I watched or the movies I watched. It's like you were breaking it down in your head, but this was actually like putting it on paper and like mm-hmm. just being like, Oh, okay. This is what this character's motivation is. This is this character's motivation. This is their personality. This is their goals and that stuff. And hmm. just all of a sudden it was like, next thing I knew I was like having like some of the highest marks in the class. And I was just, I like, I'm not a, I'm not an academic overachiever or anything like that right. by any means, but it was just all of a sudden I was doing really good. And hmm. you kind of just realized like, hmm, maybe I should kind of like start, 
looking at something like this. And then we did a, we watched like, we read the book or the play of Hamlet mm. and then, or like the book of Hamlet. And then uh, we had the project of taking the story of Hamlet and putting it into like, you could act out a scene or you could make a diorama or like whatever you wanted to do mm-hmm. and that stuff. And I, and I had, and we could go into pairs if we wanted or whatever. But uh, at that point we had gone on my family and I had gone on a vacation to Victoria mm. and we came back. And so everybody had already gotten the ch- chance to start their projects. And I was just kind of like by myself and it was like, okay, I got to figure out what I'm going to do. Right. So I was just, so I came up with the idea of just like, I was, I'm a very big, like, especially at that point, I was very big into like the TV cop shows and that stuff. Okay. And I think at that point, like there was like Hawaii five Oh, the reboot of it or whatever. And mm-hmm. that stuff. So I was very big into like, TV cop shows and that stuff and it just the fun of it. But then it was like, um, I decided to take the story of Hamlet and turn Hamlet into a detective. And I did like a whole little sh- uh-huh. six minute short okay. and just turned it into that. And I did a video and I asked the teacher, I was like, can I do a video? And she's like, yeah, go for it. And she's, <laughs> she looked me dead in the eyes and she's like, uh, you just so you know, it's going to be a lot of work. And I was like, I know, I know. I'm, <laughs> Uh, I'm sure I'll manage. And then yeah. uh, <laughs> sure enough, I had my sister help me a couple times with different shots. And then I just pretty much made it like a mini TV episode and that stuff. And That's just, cool. uh, I even had like a car chase in it and that stuff. And <laughs> I just no way. Had, had so much fun with it and I finished it and I edited it all together. And it was just like something I looked at and I was like, man, this is so much fun to do. And so that was kind of like the turning point of just huh. realizing I should go and look into how to become like work in this industry. Right on. That's, that's great, man. And those, I imagine you shot that on like what, like those mini DV tapes probably were shooting on tape. <laughs> it was like a little handheld, yeah. like it, it used SD cards and everything, oh, but it was just a little handheld recorder or whatever. Oh, and man. those are the good all, old days. <laughs> I miss those. Like, like we still have that camera actually. It's wow. still sitting in my mom's office and that stuff, but I don't know where the charger for that thing is. Uh. Like, it'd be a great little thing to just use. Like if like, it's like the found footage kind of stuff or whatever, Totally. but it was just like, it, it was such a experience. And then like, it was also, (laughs) my mom had these, this tripod for it. And I, I like look back in that moment and I was like, man, (laughs) I didn't even know how to work a freaking tripod at that time. (laughs) I didn't understand that all these little clips at the bottom extended the legs Mm. out. So all the angles in it are all low angled and that (laughs) stuff. (laughs) Everything. So it's all (laughs) looking up low and looking up. (laughs) (laughs) Or it's like, it's gotta be like just at head height, but I'm crouched and that stuff. But it was just like, but even then it was like, I had to like tilt it up or whatever because I was still taller at that point. So it's just like, you're, it was just like, and then, in the background, there's like my dad was rebuilding this chicken barn into his shop and that stuff. Mm, okay. So there's like the one shot where I'm investigating the crime scene, but in the background are my parents like putting boards <laughs> up and that stuff. <laughs> or there's like, I pull up in the car and it's like profile on this side. Right. And you can see my dog on the cushion. And then when I get out of the car, by the time I'd moved everything around, he had moved. So he was beside sure. the car. So he's there when I'm walking away from the car, oh. but it was such a, like, you don't pay attention to that stuff. Nope. Now it's like, I look back on it and it's like, Oh, there's oh, this, God. there's that, there's this yeah. and that stuff. But I played all the characters in it. I played the guy that died and I had my dad hand come into the shot and he grabs me and pours <laughs> the poison in my ear. Sure. I had like, just like a fake thing or whatever. I put like water in a paint little 
thing or whatever. Mm-hmm. But the, as soon as he poured it, the lid came off and all this blue paint went into my ear. <laughs> so I got like blue paint just pouring down the side of my face. Yes. I think <laughs> that's that how stuff, it went and, in the play, wasn't it? They just dumped a shitload of poison on him. <laughs> yeah, something like that. <laughs> it was like, that was what it was. It was like the poison in the ear or something sure. like that. Yeah. And, um, Man. and then it was just having my sister like do a couple of shots for me and that stuff. And I even made like a title intro, like, like, cause I love like eighties TV shows as well. So like they had the big intros and that stuff where yep. you saw like shots from the show and that stuff. And uh, so I even made like a whole intro with footage that didn't even make it into the short. It was just like, I don't know what I'm doing with this. It's just going to be a random kind of thing that would be like from a different episode or something like that. But, <laughs> totally. Uh, like, oh, I see. It was, yeah. If you're enjoying this conversation, please subscribe on YouTube and give us a like. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please subscribe and leave a five-star review. And now, back to the conversation. But, man, those are the good old days when you didn't care about white balance and continuity and all that stuff that we live and die by now. And you were just... That was like the purest form of the, if you will, the cinematic language. It was like, what shots do I need to tell yeah. the story? And I just would go and get them. I didn't really care how they looked. Exactly. Like, I... I miss those kind of moments where it's just mm-hmm. like, you're just making stuff or like, you're just trying to tell the story. Mm-hmm. You're not focused on the technical aspect. Now it's like, like with this new short that I've made, uh, there will come a day. Mm-hmm. It's like, I was focusing on like, okay, where's the sun going to be? Where's the lighting going to be? How's, where's my shadows going to be? Okay. Is this white balanced properly? Is mm-hmm. this over saturated or is this, this like all these different aspects are just all of a sudden in my head now that it's like, even when I was just trying to write it, it's like, okay, what's the character's arc? What's this mm-hmm. and that? It's mm-hmm. not just a simple, straightforward story. It's like it's got to be this big schmazzle of like everything <laughs> and that stuff. But well, okay, I mean that trailer was cool, man. Uh, there will come a oh, day. Thank you. That's on YouTube, is it? Yeah, okay. yeah, it's on YouTube now. Uh, it's under uh, Last Drive Productions on YouTube. Right on. I'll link and, to that. Uh, and uh, it's it was a fun little short cause I just needed something to do and with just like lack of work and everything. Sure. But I was just like, you know, I just want to try and find a little project to make on my own and just practice. Cause I want to do more directing and writing mm-hmm. going forward and acting as well. Cause like right now I do a lot of gripping and that stuff. Right. To make money at this point. But, mm-hmm. um, but doing this project was so much fun. Cause like, uh, once again, I had to call upon my sister, when she came down to visit and that stuff. Cause I was like, I need some shots where like the bad guy and the good guy are in the same shot uh. and, and that stuff. So it was like, you know, having the shoulder, she wears the jacket and she's got the shoulder and that stuff. And she's holding the gun and she turns around and then it reveals me there and that stuff. Oh, okay. And sure. Then there's like a, a two shot with them together and that stuff. And <laughs> just figuring out how to make it look like that. It, I'm I'm playing both characters, but it's like as if there is actually two people in that stuff and that there's not a big height difference before and that stuff. And <laughs> trying to figure that out and just, but like just going through this learning experience and learning curve and that stuff. And just from the stuff that I've learned over the last few years is like to look at like the short film I made in high school sure. to this one. Now there's a lot of stuff that I've learned and that stuff and the technical aspects just really pour into your brain. And it yes. just all of a sudden it's like, just comes naturally when you're, doing stuff now as opposed to like back then where it's like what's white balance right yeah uh, i don't <laughs> but it's interesting man so is is what you released is just the trailer and there's a longer piece that's coming or that you're still working on yeah there is a longer short it's like a 
about like nine minutes or something okay. like that. And it is, there's not a lot of di- There's like only like a voiceover at the end or something like that. Neat. Because uh, I didn't have a microphone on my camera at that point okay. and the audio sounded terrible. So I was just like, okay, this is just going to be like a visual story for the most part until the end to kind of give the final little details to make sense of everything that you just saw. But um, then it's like, uh, there is a, yeah, like right now I'm in post-production on the short okay, and we're in the, like it's all edited and the color's done, but the, uh, we're working on the music right now. And my composer, uh, Patrick froze, he's, uh, working on the music right now. And I've known him since eighth grade. Oh, wow. So it's like the nice to get the opportunity to work with somebody that I've gone to high school with yeah. and I'm really good friends with. So all of a sudden it's like, you know, he's gone into the musician profession and he wants to, he would mention to me like, like couple of years ago that I had seen him where it was like, Oh, I want to compose for movies and that stuff. So if you ever need something, just let me know. And I was like, okay, but I was never in a position to be able sure. to bring him on board. It was always somebody else's project or mm-hmm. I was, I was just acting in something and I was never create like involved enough to be able to say, Hey, let's get this guy to compose for us and that stuff. So I was able to like call him up and say, Hey, let's, do you want to compose for this short? Mm-hmm. And he was like, yeah, absolutely. So he came over and we, I sh- he's pretty much the only one that's seen a rough draft of the short at that point. Okay. He hasn't seen the full thing when it, when it's done with all the sound effects and everything like that yet, but mm-hmm. he's got the short and that stuff. And he's, we've been going through the music little by little here and there and that stuff. So it's almost, it's getting there now. And it's been a lot, of, it's been a really fun experience trying to put that together with him and just cool collaborate with somebody as well on it well that's that's really cool actually to get original music for it and to work uh, that's something i've never done i'm always just kind of well that's not true but I, i've had a friend maybe he composed some pieces and we just stuck them in but to actually score the film is is a pretty i mean you're adding a whole new layer to it right yeah and that's been like the fun learning curve because i've never had to communicate with a composer before because mm-hmm. i I've never, I'm just the guy that shows up and sets up the lights most of the time. So it's like, all of a sudden it's like, oh, I have to like figure out what the tone is of this sure. short and try and really find like the musical notes or like the, like the really like just the sound of the short and that stuff. And uh, for the most part, he's really nailed like what I wanted and that stuff. And we, there was like the one piece that he posted or sent me or whatever. And it was just, it, didn't sound quite right, but I just gave him my notes and then he changed it like almost like just like that, like immediately. And it was just all of a sudden like, and then we're right back on the track or back on the right track again and just going. And it's just been really fun experience so far. You know, it's, it kind of struck me as sort of like an experimental film in a way. Like obviously it's, it's pretty, there's a narrative and there's, I see what you're doing with the story, but like you shot it and you're in a lot of it. Like it's, it's not unlike what you were doing in high school in some ways where it's, you know what I'm saying here? Like it's, yeah. it's, it's not filmmaking the way we typically think with a crew. It's like literally not even, it's like a one man cast and crew almost. That's exactly what it is. It's, it's been, uh, it's just now that I know that what shots mean now, I'm able to <laughs> properly portray that. And like, you know, having screen direction. Cause I have like the, the hero going from left to right on screen. I have nice. the bad guy going from right to left so that they're actually working their way towards each other nice. and that stuff. And just, but it, 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 it is kind of like, it does feel a little bit like a throwback back to high school doing that short again, where mm. it's like, 
you're doing everything again. It's just now there's a whole new set of knowledge that goes with it this time. And I'm hoping that like, you know, once this comes out, then I'm able to like save up enough money so that the next one I can have like some actual like other actors in it <laughs> or, uh, uh, or just even be just strictly behind the camera mm-hmm. on it and just direct people or, you know, whatever. And just try and move into a new area of my career and just continue pushing forward rather than just, being stuck is like the grip all the time or that stuff and just wanting to explore new avenues and that mm-hmm. stuff and just really get to show what I can do and that kind of stuff. Right on, man. So yeah, I guess you, you grip and gaff kind of just out of necessity. Is that kind of, is that your main occupation? Like, or do you have a day job or? Uh, no, just the grip and gaff thing right now is oh, right on. what I've been doing and that stuff. And if I'm not doing that and I'm not creating my own shorts, I'm just, doing chores on the acreage with my parents and that stuff and right on. sitting on the ride along lawnmower, cutting all the grass and everything. <laughs> nice. And, uh, yeah. and just, uh, uh, yeah, just always trying to find ways to keep myself busy or I'll mm-hmm. be down here in the kind of guest bedroom basement, but mm-hmm. it, I kind of have it set up as my office right now nice, so that I can write my own projects and like all the future big ideas that I want to do and that mm-hmm. stuff and just really develop them in the meantime and just really get the chance to just develop them. The more I learn and that stuff about writing and that stuff and just so that eventually when I get to that point that I can go and pitch it, these ideas that yeah. I have a more well-developed idea than just what I had back in like when I was going to Nate and that stuff where it sure. was just like, um, I had no idea what I was doing whatsoever when it came to writing where it was just like, I didn't understand the story structure or anything mm-hmm. like that. It was just like everything everything was more like my brain where it was just all over the place. And it's like nothing made sense whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, Hey, at least you understood that, right? Like I, I've been saying, at least with this podcast, it's kind of like, I thought I knew what I thought about things. And then I would start talking to someone and be like, Oh man, my ideas are half baked and totally undeveloped, you know, but yeah. <laughs> through doing things like this or like you, you know, I've got the whiteboard too. And it's, that's what you need to do, right? You need to, yeah sort of bring some order into that chaos yeah absolutely like i love having like a whiteboard and you just start jotting the ideas down and then you start kind of moving things around mm-hmm. and it's just figuring out what works for the characters and the story and that stuff and then once all of a sudden you get to the end and you're like oh and then you go in and start going to the white writing program and the next thing you know you're just off and running and the mm-hmm. next thing you know all of a sudden you're done the first draft and then it's like going and finding somebody to read the draft and that stuff and give you notes back so that you can continue to progress on it and that stuff. And so like that, that's a fun experience for me just seeing where the first draft was of like some of the ideas that I've had and looking at like the fifth draft of like the most recent thing that I did. And Mm -hmm. it's like, it's like polar opposite of like what it was, but Mm -hmm. it's so much more better by the fifth draft. Totally. You just kept on refining it, refining it to see what it, what it really is. Yeah. But do you get that same sort of, uh, do you feel that same passion towards gaffing and gripping or, or do you not, do you, do you get that same love of the art from that side of things? I do like, uh, like, especially like if I'm on a project that you can see that the person in charge is very passionate about it and mm-hmm. you can kind of see what they're going for. It's kind of nice to just be able to set up the lights and everything, but then you get to kind of sit back and just kind of observe mm. the environment to just see what works and what doesn't work and like, like where things are lacking. And so that when you're in charge, then you can kind of make sure, okay, make sure 
or still going or like mm-hmm. make sure you know this ahead of time and that stuff and just how to properly plan stuff out is just fun to just sit there and observe everything and just sit there and kind of like just see how everything works on this on this set and that set mm-hmm. and pick apart even like okay what what did i think was lacking on this set and then you kind of like go and make sure that you're looking for certain things on the next set and that stuff just to mm-hmm always have something going in your mind in that stuff or you know like if uh like uh, my roommate when i was in edmonton he taught me that it's like okay like if you see the camera operator going to kneel down or like they're going lower mm-hmm. bring a apple box over and you slide them under slide it underneath them and then they sit down and that way it's easier on the camera guys back and that sure. stuff and they're not kneeling on the ground for hours on end and that stuff <laughs> right you learn yeah that's a great point actually if you're on set and you are able to just sit back and watch, you sure can learn a lot. And then you can anticipate for the next setup or whatever, the next set you're on and just be, yeah, that's a good point, man. Just really kind of anticipate because in some ways it's all the same. Yeah. Like it's, it's, there's always different experiences and like the last little while, like um, the last few sets I've been on, like I've had a little bit of gripping aspect, but Mm -hmm. I've been, actually doing camera assisting here and there now okay. nice and like when i've been working with sam reed and justin keebs there like we were doing i was helping them on like some projects where they were shooting stuff for nate and okay um and i was camera assisting them and i was also like hitting the start button on like the um uh the uh, the teleprompter that's oh, what it was right on. Uh, on the teleprompter mm-hmm. and so then the people would start doing their speeches and that stuff. And then, and then, but like, then it's like, okay, we go to the next room and that stuff. And then I set up the lights again and that mm-hmm. stuff. And then it's back to being behind the camera or like, like when Sam Reed and I worked on this project called highway 13 back in October, like I was strictly camera assistant on that. Mm-hmm. And it was a nice break for me because I had always just been like, you're stuck doing the heavy lifting and that stuff. And all of a sudden it was just like, Oh, I get to just move the camera from here to here, <laughs> bring the lens kit over. Sure put that lens on and then it's like and then you stand back and just wait yep. <laughs> until that shot's done and then or just offer little suggestions to sam and then you know mm-hmm. or the things that i see and that stuff and the nice thing with working with like sam and justin is that i've got gained such trust with those guys that when i offer a suggestion they're listening and they're like they've trust me to when i i offer a suggestion and that stuff so it's a really cool dynamic to have somebody that you really trust and then they trust you back yes. and then it just makes the project so much better. Like we've worked uh, together on so many different projects over the years, the last few years. And like, they've all been great. There have been some where it's like you go and you do it and you're like, uh, <laughs> what the fuck have you gotten me into? And, <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> but then, it, but, but then the, the fun of it is that you're just still hanging out with those guys or just True. hanging out with people that you like to hang around. True. And then you just spend their whole car ride back, making fun about a project or something <laughs> like that. Never. I have no idea what you're talking about. I've never done that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, I, I don't do that at no, all. No. Uh, <clears throat> Keep it professional. <clears throat> but yeah shout out to sam and justin man because some of the stuff they they shoot and post just looks so great and that nate stuff specifically looks very clean yeah i was uh happy to see all that coming out and because i didn't get the chance to see a lot of that Mm -hmm. where it was just like helping set up the camera but i didn't get to see like the monitors or anything like that so it was like the idea that it's like you know now i'm seeing all the footage for the first time and it's like oh it actually all looks really good and looks awesome Mm -hmm. and then uh, like we did this other 
project where it was like uh, uh, commercial for like bed sheets and that stuff. And they actually had me being a focus puller on that shot or on that shoot. And I had never been a focus puller at that point. And it was a learning curve for the first day. Then the second and third day, everything went much faster because I had it all figured out. And Mm -hmm. anytime like problems came up with the focus puller at that point, it was just like I knew what to fix immediately. So then it was just always like everything moved a lot faster because I was like, I've never focus pulled anything in, like on any shoot in my life. And now all of a sudden it's like, okay, you're doing this. And it's like, right. oh. oh, okay. <laughs> Great. <laughs> That's a pretty crucial job. And it's not, it's not an easy one either, but I suppose it gets oh, no. easier as you go. Yeah. As, as you get used to it, like, okay, you go to the right, everything gets closer. Or, and mm-hmm. then it's like to the left, every, it pushes it, the focus further away. So mm-hmm. then once you get a hang of that, then, everything gets easier and that stuff so that when there's a couple of times where Sam, he uh, went handheld and he was just kind of like watching somebody put up the curtains and that stuff. Mm -hmm. So like, you're kind of like watching the guy's movements to just, Mm -hmm. okay, he's going to, he starts getting closer and then you just start getting the focus closer to the camera. Mm -hmm. And then, and then all of a sudden he walks away and then it's like following him that way. And it was just such a learning curve for both of us to just, you know, he doesn't have to pull the focus now, Yeah, but it's just, me making sure that I don't have to get glasses at some point or something like where it's like, I hope this isn't the point that I find out my eyesight is actually really bad or something like that. <laughs> right. Which would be, <laughs> which would be pretty unfortunate working in this line of work, I guess. Eh? If, I mean, we really rely on our bodies to keep us going. Yeah. And it was just like, luckily it's like, okay, when he says, when I get the shot in focus and he's like, yep, that's in focus. I'm like, okay, oh, my good. eyesight's still good. Okay, <laughs> good. Still got it. Still got yeah. it. <laughs> do you use uh focus peaking or just like sharpening or edges or how do you, or do you just, do you just flat and you're just looking with your eyes? At first I kind of look at the peaking, but then I just, I, I got to the point where I was like, I liked it with just being able to see where the focus point is or just like, just, eyeballing it wow and i just got to that point where it was just like i was looking into the monitor and i just kind of eyeballed it at that point and it was working much better when i was just doing that instead good for you that would scare the shit out of me (laughs) (laughs) oh it it scared the shit out of me as well it was just like i'm like i (laughs) this is for a pain right these people are paying us to do a good job and this is my first time doing this and i'm like oh my god i better not fuck this up (laughs) (laughs) so a wireless follow focus and you had your own monitor. So you're kind of removed, which is also interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was a wireless follow, follow focus, but uh, the monitor was actually plugged into the camera. So we had okay. this long cord <laughs> and that stuff. Okay, sure. But I was in the next room and that stuff. So it was just easier because it was such a small room that we were shooting and it was like to the right was the bed. And then the other set was immediately to the left. And mm-hmm. then, so then it was just like, okay, so you're trying to make it all look like it's, a different room and that stuff, but gotcha. it was fun because it's like, or it was fun because it was such a new experience, but it was also nerve wracking because the clients are standing right over my shoulder Oof. looking to, at the monitor. Yeah. So I'm just like, God, this better be a good shot. I hope that I don't fuck this up. God, <laughs> please. <laughs> well, that's tough, man. That's tough to have to do your job with someone looking over your shoulder also. Oh yeah. It, it can be like a little, where you start feeling like everything starts sweating and that stuff. And you're <laughs> totally. just like, and you're just like, but you're trying to act as cool as possible. Like, it's like, yeah, this is just yeah. an ordinary day in my life. Yeah. Like I'm, this is just what I do for a living. This is what I do. But it's like, meanwhile, it's just on the inside. You're like screaming and you're just sweating and you're just like, Oh my God, make this end. <laughs> fuck, 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 fuck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so do you, 
I guess I've had an opportunity lately to be on the camera team, like a second AC on a few things. And then I've done a little bit of gripping on some smaller stuff, but it's neat to see the, the division of labor there where like when the grip and electric team is going hard to set something up, the camera team is quite often just sitting there ready to go. And then yeah. once we get going, then the camera team is in full gear, swapping lenses and filters and all that shit. And the grip and electric are just standing there watching. So I find that like, do you prefer one over the other? Cause the, I'd say grip and electric is harder work overall. Oh, 100%. Like doing the grip work is definitely a lot harder because the camera and the director and the DP, like they have to figure out, okay, this is where the camera's going. Mm-hmm. And then the DP and the director talk. And then it's like all of a sudden, the, okay, the lights are going to go here. So you're kind of just standing in, a, in an observing fashion where it's like, you're just kind of waiting to find out what lights you're grabbing, what stands you're grabbing, mm-hmm. all that stuff. And you're just like, you're kind of, it's kind of like being on like a race, like the being ready on your marks to do like a sprint or something totally. like that. But it's just like you're waiting and you're just waiting for that pistol to go off and that stuff. And you're just waiting for that moment. But it's like just everything kind of starts to build and you're like, because you know that it's going to take forever to set up. Right. And that everybody's going to be waiting on you for the first hour or whatever. But then all of a sudden, as soon as you get done that, then it's nice to just sit back. But all of a sudden, it's like something can change just like that. And all of a sudden, it's like, okay, this light has to come back down because yeah. it's in shot. Or we can't use this light now because it's the bulb is dead in it or whatever. And yeah, isn't that, isn't that classic? It's like, yeah, set this light up. And then 10 minutes later, ah, that lights in the shot. Well, yeah, that wasn't the shot 10 minutes ago. Yeah. Or it's like, they just move it over and it's like, Oh, now the lights in shot. So then you have to go over and it's got all these sandbags on it and you either have to try and take them all off or you just have to start sliding it. And so that, and then you're just like, is it out of shot? Is it out of shot? And then, and then it's like, not yet. (laughs) And it's like, but there's like an edge over here and you're like hoping that nothing falls over. And right. it's just like, oh my goodness, I just want this to end and that stuff. But then, <laughs> um, but then, you know, like also having worked on like camera department and that mm-hmm. stuff, it is, I do find that more relaxing because you, yep. you're looking for the shots and that stuff. Mm-hmm. And then you're, you get to, you really get to see what the movie's going to look like before everybody else does. Mm. And it's That's such an true. interesting aspect because it's like, okay, you have to, f- see what the shot is telling you right away. If it conveys that for the, if it's going to convey that for the audience or not mm-hmm. and that stuff. So it's like trying to figure out how to do that and convey that message to the audience in the visual language and that kind of stuff. So that's been an, that's an interesting learning curve as well. Hmm. That's a good point. You see what the movie's going to look like before anybody else. I like that a lot. Um, yeah. I was going to ask you something now. I forgot. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> professional i felt yeah. <laughs> i felt like the first time we ran across each other i thought was on that short film k thanks bye you were gaffer is that right yeah that was you right yeah 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 and we talked well, it was for funny. a little bit but we didn't really ever interact i, I thought yeah like uh we were kind of like ever it was just there was so much going on that we were all in our different like areas at that mm-hmm. point and it was like i mean like what i think we met in a parking lot at the first location to- or something like totally. that. totally quickly chatted brief moment yep and then but then like once for me once i get onto a set and i get kind of into like this headspace of like i'm working so all of a sudden like people think i'm like being rude to them but i'm like i'm just so (laughs) dead focused on like what i'm doing that it's like i forget that i like oh i don't have anything to do i can chat with people where it's like Mm -hmm. i try not to get into like personal conversations in work unless it's like a lunch or something like that sure it's just something like you know like my 
dad is kind of taught or it kind of has that kind of okay. work style where it's like, I'm working, I should be doing work during my work hours. But it's like, if somebody wants to talk to me about something, whatever, during their lunch break, whatever. But it, as soon as we're back to work, it's back into like the work headspace and that kind of stuff. So I've kind of ha- gotten that kind of heads kind of mindset going on when I go onto a set and that stuff. But hmm. I try and I've, I've been very much like ever since moving to Edmonton, it's like the last couple of years, it was like, I became very much more open to like just having like quick little chats and just mm. trying to have conversations with people when you have the chance or whatever. Sure. And that stuff. But yeah. And then like for us, like we worked on that project for like what, two, three days or something like that. And yeah, then that, and then we never worked together for a while until like, October when right. Sam and Justin asked us to be a part of that live event and that stuff. And then I felt bad. Cause I, I was like trying to remember, I was like, Patrick, Patrick, why do I remember that name? Patrick. And I felt <laughs> bad. And I was just like, it wasn't until I, the event was done and we were driving away and I was like, Oh, fuck, <laughs> I, I do know him. Fuck. <laughs> That's hilarious. And I felt horrible. That's all good. That's all good. I was so hung over that day. I didn't, you could have said anything. It doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was just gone. But uh, on K thanks bye. I thought it was so fascinating. Cause they brought me in as a camera operator that they probably almost could have just put me as a grip instead that you didn't have a grip that on that shoot. Did you? I was the only one. I was the only one setting up everything. Like, that was insane. And I and felt like it wasn't a small shoot either. <laughs> no, it was a big, it was a pretty big deal. I, but I remember thinking like, I never really noticed what you were doing until all of a sudden the lights were set up and we were going, I was like, Holy shit. Cause like yeah. a phantom. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was just like, I get, like I said, like I just I kind of almost like go mute almost because I'm just listening to the, right. what everybody's saying and that stuff. And then so that it, like once that they're like I hear them say like okay we're gonna put a light here. I've already gone off and I grab the light and the mm-hmm. stand and I come back with the sandbag and yeah. everything and I've got it set up in the position so just so that things keep moving forward and that stuff. I don't like mm-hmm. having not not having anything to do. Like I hate just <laughs> all of a sudden there's like that moment of like, I feel like I need to be doing something, but there's nothing to do. Oh, that's and the worst. Like, and like that happens a lot with like, once you've got everything set up, it's like th- your job is just to sit and watch at that point. And which is fun sometimes, but at some points you're just like, like I just need something to do. Yeah. I've been sitting in the house for the last week and a half. Like I need something to do or whatever. Yeah. And especially with this pandemic, it's like, you know, not having a lot to do. And so then it's like, okay, I need, to do something related to my job. Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, I'm going to go figure out some short to make nice with the, with everything in my surroundings. And, you know, like I'm carrying all the gear and I'm hopping over the fence into the, like the trees over here and setting up a wide shot so that the character walks through here. And then it's like getting all the different angles. And at the same time, it's like, okay, I want a really close shot, but then I'm trying to make sure I have the focus point so that when I walk into the frame, I'm in focus. And I think I missed it a couple of times with some oh, shots. Okay. But like I think I was pretty close with some of that stuff, but it's it's such a learning curve, and that's why I was like, okay, yep. next one, I need somebody behind the camera for sure because it's like I need somebody to <laughs> I can trust that it will pull the focus and be like, okay, I can I'll know the shots and focus and that stuff. I don't have to worry about making sure the shots and focus because I did autofocus sometimes with this short, mm. and it was it was on me, and then all of a sudden I would watch it like on the playback, and it would just readjust and that stuff right in the middle of like a crucial moment so right. i was like after that i was like okay no i'm going manual focus and i'm yep. just gonna have to just judge by like figuring out where i'm standing and that stuff and just hope and pray that i get the shot and i 
think I did fairly well considering mm-hmm. what I had with this sure. short, but um, yeah, it's just such a, such a learning curve with everything. hundred percent, man. Well, that, I mean, you have to embrace that, the curve and just realize that you'll, you may be on the curve. You're never really going to be ahead of the curve. I don't think, but I guess no. this makes any sense. But if you're, as long as you're not totally behind, if you're yeah. on the curve, I guess, if that makes sense, at least you're learning with every step of the, the way. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I thought I, back to what you were saying earlier about, you know, kind of not wanting to have conversations on set and all that stuff. And I, I totally identify with that. Like on some of these things I've been on, there's a chance we're like, you know, you're just the second AC or grip or whatever. And there's a chance where like the director's right there and he's just, it's like, you could talk to the director, but it's also like, I don't think I want to talk to the director. I don't know what, (laughs) but at the same time, it's like, I would love to get him on my podcast, maybe sit with him outside of the set and pitch him an idea. But in that moment, sometimes I really like the hierarchy of a film set where it's just like, if I just shut up and like pretend to be doing something, I would almost rather do that. Yeah. Like I, I totally get that. It's I've, I've had that so many times where like you're sitting off and everything's lit and everything and you're sitting there and then the producer's sitting right next to right. you and you're just like, you desperately want to pitch them something, <laughs> yeah, but, totally. but, but you're just like, I'm just a grip right now. Yep. I don't know if this is the right time. We're in a work environment. This is not the time to be pitching something because mm-hmm. their mind is on like 50 things at that point. They're trying to figure out, mm-hmm. you know, or like even with the director, they're figuring out what the blocking of the scene is, what uh, is going to, how they're going to convey this, these characters' stories and that mm-hmm. stuff. So it's just trying to figure out that whole aspect of everything. And just, you're just like, I'm just going to let them live in their own world because yep. I just don't think they want me coming in and interrupting their world right now. So, yeah, yep. yeah I totally get that. And and two, it's like, I, I hear that thing about like, just give me something to do. You know, it's like, even if the first setup is done and then you just kind of that anxiety takes over. It's like, I just like, is there something I can, something I can do? Because I do think that's why film sets are an ideal work environment for me, at least. It's like, because you never stop. It's just 12 hours of, going until it's done yeah yeah like it's i like i love it especially when you get it close to the end of a day mm. because then once it's like okay you're on the last scene anything else that's not in use you can start just <laughs> packing everything up and putting it back into the truck and that stuff and right or, or just whatever vehicle and then that way it's like okay the last thing does that have to come down or just the stuff in the scene Neat. and then once and then that makes the job go quicker and then the next thing you know all that gears on the truck and you're not the last people to live leave set at that point right because i've had that where like like the first feature i ever worked on i was a gaffer and it was like there was a lot of days where like the cast the crew pretty much everybody's gone mm-hmm. but me and the grip are the last ones on set still taking everything down and putting it into the truck and then mm. everybody's already back in the motel fast asleep and you're just pulling back in with the truck and you're locking everything up and then you're going in and mm-hmm. you walk in and the person you're roomed with or whatever is fast asleep and you're just like oh like you're just like at that point you're like i just want to lay down i wish <laughs> we had more crew members or something like that to help oh, yeah. us aid and that stuff or and i think that's another thing that happens with like smaller independent shoots is that the in my personal opinion i see the money go towards a lot of like getting the biggest expensive camera they can get yep. but not focusing on the lighting or the sound as much yes. and or like not putting the money into the grip department so that it, everything could move faster and that stuff. But mm-hmm. I mean, 
that's just my personal opinion. I just see that as it doesn't really matter the camera you use as long as like I learned from this one book that it's like the important things for production are lighting and sound. Mm -hmm. And, and then I also added like acting to that because you want to make sure that the people are natural with their acting and that stuff. But like if, if it looks like the quality of the picture is not that great, it's not going to matter because it sounds great and you can still hear everything and the visuals still look good because of the lighting and that stuff. And that's just, from like some of the books that I've read over the years. And it's like mm. interesting to see like where certain productions, their money seems to go or something like that. And you're just kind of like, Oh, okay. That's interesting. Yeah. I would agree with a lot of that. Like there is that obsession with the camera and the, the cinematic sensor, you know, oh, we got to get the Ari, we got to get the FX nine, whatever, whatever cameras, the hot, you got to get the big red or gotta whatever. Get the red, of course. Yeah. But it's like, you know, if you had a second grip, we wouldn't have any of these problems that we're having right now or whatever. Yeah. You know, or a, but that's like the camera can only do so much. True. It's, it's the lighting that makes the scene really work and that stuff and yep. can create the atmosphere for the audience. And, you know, you look at stuff like uh, a quiet place, like how sound is such a crucial element sure. and that stuff to something like that. Or like with any movie, like the sound is such an essential part. Cause if you can't hear, like I watched, uh, the one movie on Amazon not too long ago where it was just like, you couldn't hear anybody that was talking, but the score was overpowering everything. And it was just like, I couldn't hear what anybody was saying. And it's like, it was so poorly mixed and you're just sitting there and you're like, and it's like, this is a movie coming out like today. And it's so like, I can't hear anything that the actors are saying or really what what movie was that? Uh, Without remorse. Okay. uh, Starring Michael B. Jordan. Okay. It was, I was so excited for the movie and cause it looks so action packed and it's really, it has some great action scenes, but like when it comes to like the story, there's absolutely nothing really going on to me. It's just like, you don't understand really what's going on. There's like a scene where they're at a part, him and his, his character and his wife are at the party and that stuff. And they're talking and they're yeah. kind of look like they're having a fun banter, but mm-hmm. the music at the party is just so overpowering what the them hell? that. Hello. Hey, can you still hear me? Hello, can you hear me? I can hear you, yep. Okay. Uh, It was just weird that it's like, you know, they're at this party and everything and you can't hear anything that these, the couple are saying or anything like that. And it was, it was just, it was, it sucked. It was just like, (laughs) and then there's, there's like an emotional moment between him and like a a soldier buddy of his Mm -hmm. and that stuff. And they're sitting against him and the girl are sitting against the wall and that stuff. And they're talking and but like they're talking so quietly like it's like as if like the mic is nowhere near their heads or anything like that it's like it was just like i couldn't hear anything that they were saying and i'm like cranking up the tv as loud as i can and it's like i still can't hear them interesting i was just like it was like i was just like well this is just this this sucks the mix just sucks i wonder now do you think that was a problem with the location sound because really they could have adr'd everything if yeah. the location sounds suck, but like the mix, I wonder what happened there. Yeah, I don't know. I was trying to figure out what could have gone wrong there because it looked like it was like just very much on a set mm. and that stuff. So it was just like I was sitting there and I'm like, like it looks like they're in such a controlled environment that it's right. like the fact that I can't hear anything. I don't know what the issue would have been like necessarily, but mm-hmm. it's 
yeah, it's just one of those things that it's like you kind of have to be there to know what went wrong or whatever. Mm. It brings up you bring up a good point though. Like I've never been on a set that was very big to the point where there was more than one person in the sound department. Yeah. And you're right that a lot of the time that does get overlooked. It's like, well, let's just get a sound guy and he's got a boom and he's got some laughs and it's like, yeah, you know that. that, And I, so I did sound on a short film a few months ago and I was like, this really sucks. (laughs) It's it's cool. It's cool in some ways to think, how am I going to get the boom out there? And you kind of get to know the scene. It's like, okay, I got to bring my levels down here, but then bring them back up here. Yeah. But talking to a few sound guys, they're like, it's a three man department. Give yeah. Me, give me a boom op. Let me mix, and then have a have a tech running around, you know, wiring up the talent or whatever. Yeah. But so, have you ever seen that on a set, or has it always just been a one man show in your experience? Most of the ones that I've been on have been a one man show. There was the one production where they actually had uh, one guy operating the boom and one guy with the pack and mixing it and mm-hmm. that stuff. So that I was like, see, that looks way more efficient to me. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I. The idea of actually having three seems sounds way better because I like that idea of like, okay, you got the one guy that's going to do the labs. You got the one guy that's going to do the mixing. You got mm-hmm. the boom operator. Mm-hmm. I was like, see, that seems way more efficient to me totally. when it comes to sound, getting sound and that stuff. And uh, But for the most part, most of the shoots I've been on have just been, it's just the one man with everything, has to do everything and that stuff. And I always feel bad for them because a lot of times, like, you know, usually it's, camera waiting on grip or grip waiting on camera right a lot of those kind of productions it's like we're always just waiting on sound at the end of the day sometimes and you feel bad for those guys at the end of the day because it's just like they got the pack on their shoulders all day Mm -hmm. and then they're holding the mic the boom above their heads most of the day and that stuff and like i've done one gig where i was the sound guy Mm -hmm. and it was just and we were out down drum heller and that stuff and okay it was uh i didn't have to do too much on it because it was a smaller short and that stuff mm. but like the last day it's like i was getting i had to like have the boom go into this tent or whatever and then i had to try and make sure it's out of frame and that stuff and mm. they had like some really wide angles and so you're in, trying to into and a, like tent. Into a, into a tent and that stuff come on <laughs> like oh and of course it has to be like the windiest day so the tent's just going like right just making all this noise and and i'm just like uh, and then we couldn't it's such a small production. You couldn't get the area shut down and that stuff. So it's like you got hikers that are walking past and all of a sudden a little kid screams off in the distance and it's like in the middle of the valley. So it echoes sure. through all the <laughs> dunes oh and everything. God. And you're like, Oh my God, just make this end. And it's always like, I've seen it where it's like the director and the camera is just so happy with what they just got. And they look over to sound. It's like, did you get that? It's like, yes, I yes. got something. <laughs> I got something. <laughs> There's something there. Yeah, I'm I sure if you dig gonna... hard enough, you'll find it. Yeah, I don't know if you're gonna like it, but we <laughs> we shot something a few months ago in Cold Lake in a there's a fish hatchery up there with it's this huge industrial building where they hatch fish in these big water tubs. Okay. And the sound in there was just horrendous. Like I don't know because it's like oh. pumps, I guess, and fans maybe. It's like I yeah. don't know. It looked so great, and what you could hear sounded great, but there's just that constant drone of just. The sound guy was just like, I don't, I don't know that we're going to be able to use any of this, but I'd be curious to see what they did. Maybe you could work with it. I don't know, but it's a, it's a, sometimes a, what's the word? Uh, uh, thankless job in some ways. Yeah. Like it's, I can't even imagine doing that where it's just, 
like you can't turn off the machines or anything like that. And right. Like just like there's so many different things where it's like, you know, you're just it's such like I've been on so many productions where it's just kind of like a run and gun situation and mm-hmm. the sound guy is just struggling to keep up with everything and they're just like, Yeah, like this is completely useless and that stuff and you're just like oh and and you're just kind of like at least you're like in the grip position so you're just kind of happy that you don't have to go sit in a room and watch the adr be done because to me like (laughs) adr is destructional to actors performances in my opinion for sure because because like i've gotten to the point where i've i'll be watching something and i can tell now when i'm watching something that oh this is an adr scene yep because something's just all of a sudden the audio becomes very clear on their voices all of a sudden. It doesn't quite fit like the atmosphere that they're in because mm-hmm. the way something would sound like they're in this big warehouse and all of a sudden it sounds very clear and that stuff and there's yep. no echo or anything like that. And you're like, Oh, like this is definitely them ADR in the scene or stuff like that. Or there was like this show that I was watching the one day a couple of years back and they had this whole scene of like the two people walking around this water fountain and that stuff but they decided to just stick with all these really wide shots of just seeing them off in the distance walking. Right. And you can just tell that like, it was like, okay, they probably had like them in front, but they're walking in front of a water fountain. Right. So like there's the sound was going to be useless. So like all of a sudden you can just tell that it's just them doing the conversation in these wide shots. Right. And it's just, all you hear is them in the booth. (laughs) All the, you just hear the actors in the booth at that point. And you're like, Oh, this is just destructional. (laughs) It is. It is. Was that call me by your name? By any chance, <laughs> you ever seen that movie? No, I haven't seen that movie oh. actually. I but, just uh, there's a scene where they're. This walking. was actually like a big, big CBS TV show that oh. I was watching, and it was just like I was like, "This is terrible." <laughs> That's unfortunate. Now I wonder for those listening, it's like automated or additional dialogue recording. So it's when yeah, the, something like that. Yeah, the location sound of the actor's dialogue is not usable, so they go into a studio and basically dub it. But it's. It's never. I don't think it's ever something you want to do. Although I don't know. No, like to me, it's better to get the performances on the set because they're in the moment and they're there and they're just everything's more authentic. Where it's mm-hmm. like you're trying to convey that emotion, but you're in a booth staring at yourself and that person doing it, and you're trying to match the mouth movements. Mm-hmm. Like I was just like, eh, this is just not. This this just seems like it's like the worst way to try and fix something right where it's like it's almost more efficient to fix it while it's on set somehow yep. or solve the problem ahead of time but right I, yeah we'll solve that the kind problem of stuff wouldn't yeah. that be a good idea <laughs> <laughs> you would think you would think but again um and i don't know if there's any amount of like reverb or mixing you can do on clean vocals to make it sound like it's outdoors oh uh, i don't know though yeah, I don't know. Like uh, that's definitely with sound right now is the kind of area that I'm starting to kind of go into, like just mm-hmm. how to like fix things in post and that stuff with audio and like reverb and that stuff and just how to make things sound like they're like a voice is coming out of a radio and that stuff. I've been kind of starting to learn that a little bit just mm-hmm. like for just future purposes and that stuff, just to kind of have more assets just to kind of when I'm editing my own stuff that I know how to make that project even better than the last one that I've done it. Totally, because like i've got two other shorts that i want to make eventually that are one's kind of more like a comedy but everything is misunderstood like misinterpreted the dialogue where it's like it sounds like it's about one thing but it's totally about a different thing and then i've got another one that it's like okay it'd be more like an action 
uh, a, kind of a, a dramatic action kind of type vibe, hmm. but it's, and I'm just figuring out, okay, how do you make the voice sound like it's coming out of the phone or like, how, what do you do the audio to make the guy's voice sound like it's the phone. And then when you yeah. cut to him, his voice is clear and that stuff. And mm-hmm. just trying to figure out, just try and learn new techniques and that stuff. Right on. Well, that's cool that you sort of see your filmmaking that you're doing right now as being almost like putting yourself through school in some ways, like just educating yourself through the doing it rather than, you know. Yeah, like just kind of going by like trial and error right. on my own time rather right. than somebody having else. like a $100 million budget <laughs> right. and being like, I don't know what I'm doing. Right. Let's try this. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool, man. So yeah. now you were gaffer on Core Values. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, oh, that's a cool. That was a fairly big film for Al- by Alberta standards, right? Yeah, that was like I think it was like a hundred and fifty thousand dollar budget or something like that. And who and was, it was just, who was the DP on that? Sorry, the uh, Ken Nemechek. Okay, and then Gil yep. was the director. Is that right? Yes. Okay, yep. Gil was the director. Right on. Okay, so what? Because what I have heard about that shoot was that it was freezing cold the whole time. <laughs> for like the first few weeks, it was like okay. It was just, it was like blizzarding and it was extremely cold temperatures and that mm-hmm. stuff. And you're dressed in layers, but like, of course, like being a grip, you're running around in all this heavy winter gear. Right. And then all of a sudden when everything comes to a stop and you don't have to do anything, all of a sudden you're stuck with all the sweat and oh. it's cold out. So then everything starts to freeze and you're just putting your clothes on the heater every night and that stuff to dry out and that stuff. And, but it was nice because towards the end of the shoot, it actually got warmer, which was oh. surprising for like late November, early December to all of a sudden be getting warmer. <laughs> yeah. Where we were no just doubt. like, where we were just like, actually like almost like in just kind of like that kind of like transition from winter to spring, those kind of layers sure. where it's just like, it's like, oh, I don't need my toque on today or I don't need this. It's like all of a sudden it's just like, that was nice just that it, the weather kind of lightened up as we've got closer to the end of the shoot. But like there was like the, I, I think we were in Leduc or something like that. Okay. And there was a point where it was just heavy snowfall on top of us. And Morgan LeBlanc, the actor, he's coming out of this place and he has this confrontation with this guy on the street. Mm-hmm. And then we're all standing there and then the wind picked up and we're on like this long street and it just turned into this big wind tunnel on the street and you're holding on to the lights and everything. And oh, you've got nothing but snow hitting you in the face, like just at full impact. And it's just the wind is cutting right through everybody and everybody's just like trying to fight yeah. off the cold as best as they can. But it's just like, you're like standing there for a few hours and you're like, Oh, oh. I love my job. I love my job. I love my job. I love my job. There is something about that though. When you, when you go through that adversity and then it's over and you, you're like, oh, that wasn't that bad. Or you, you, you know, you get that sense of pride, I guess, about having done it. Yeah. Like it's, it, it is like when you start to see, certain things that are done after a while and like you spend all so much time working on something and then you see how something looks on the screen and you're just like, Oh, like it makes you feel proud that it's like, okay, I suffered through that for this little moment and that stuff. It's great to have that kind of unique moment in the story yeah. come out. And you're just like, you know what everybody had to suffer through to get that moment. Mm-hmm. But, and it feels a little bit more like it, everything's justified at the end of the day where it's like, okay, that you feel like, you accomplish something even though you had to it, it would be de- 
it, it would be horrible if it's like you go through all that and then you look at something and you're just like, well, that was, and you're like, well, that was shit. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Although that probably has happened too, where it's like, God, we suffered for a week and we came away with what? With Oh, I know. I, and I have had a couple of those shoots where it's just like, you look at something and you're like, even when you're on the set and you're just like, I don't think this is going to be good. I don't think this is going to be good, but it's not my, it's not my project, but, or whatever, but it's like, but you just love being with the crew and that stuff. At that yep. point, you look at like the people that you're working with yep. at that end of the end of, at the end of the day, it's like if the crew sucked and the project sucked, it would, I would probably would have just left at that point, but true with anything, but it's just like, okay, there's actually like a really good crew and mm-hmm. the project's pretty decent. So it's like, okay, I'll suffer through like mm-hmm. these cold temperatures for however long I have to just to be able to be a part of this and that stuff. Right. Isn't that insane when you, when you look at like what is being asked of the crew sometimes and it's like, you know, like really (laughs) we're going to do this. And you, most of the time you do do it. Like I've never walked off. I've never even, I've seen, I've seen an assistant director walk off, but I've never seen crew walk off the set. It's just like, this is insane. We're being paid fairly. Sure. But we're going to yeah. do this. We're going to do this for a week. You know, we're going to do yeah. five 12 hour days like this, you know? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Like, I've been on some projects where it's like, you're, they're like, okay, we're going to set up the lights here. And you're like, we're going to do what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, then you're, and you're just like, like, how do you expect us to get the lights up there? Like, we don't have a lift. We don't have this and that stuff. And we find a way eventually. Sure. But it's like, you do that, or it's like, okay this person is going to get this actor is going to get grabbed and he's going to get tossed under this table and the table's going to collapse underneath him and that stuff. And you're like, uh, so we're just going to throw the talent that still has to do the rest of the shoot right through onto this table and that stuff. And we're sure it's safe. There's no mats underneath him or mm-hmm. anything. And, and then sure enough, it happens. And the actors just like gets up, brushes themselves off right. and they're like, okay, let's do, let's go on to the next shot. Right. And you're like, my God, I can't believe we're doing this. Okay. We got away with one there. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) We got lucky with this one, but there are some where it's just like, uh, there was like one shoot that I did where it's like, uh, they didn't have somebody, uh, they had an actor that was supposed to show up, but they didn't show up. Okay. And they're supposed to get chased by the main characters or something like that through this park. And the actor that was, they were supposed to chase didn't show up. So they grabbed a, like a PA, (sighs) who's dressed in like all the winter gear and nice. these big winter boots and that stuff. And they had him run down the area and then he's supposed to like slide down this hill. And I think the poor guy rolled his ankles going Ooh. down the hill Shit. of all things. And so then he had to leave or whatever and go get that checked out and that stuff. But it was like, it was just, I was like, Oh, this is just not what you want to have happen no. on a set. No, necessarily. You, that's true. Yeah. I mean, and like you were saying before, it's like, you could all solve the problem ahead of time. Like, although sometimes no amount of planning can, can get you through what just seems to happen on, on film sets. Yeah. Shit's always going to happen. And then it's like, do we, can we live without this shot or can we, what are we going to do to get it? You know? Yeah, absolutely. Now, um, I'm going to ask you a couple other things. Um, yeah, it's, it's kind of interesting, right? Like, you were talking about your kind of blue collar background of the, the hard work that goes that may be lost on some people about how much hard work actually goes on in a film set, you know? Oh yeah, absolutely. Like I've, I've had those conversations with my dad in the last little while where it's like, 
we start seeing the similarities actually between our job and, mm. you know, you don't think of the film industry as like necessarily like a blue collar environment. Mm. Cause totally I think is. to a lot of people, they see it as like the, the glitz, the glamor and that stuff. And it's like, it is the complete opposite of that. <laughs> the glitz and the glamor come from the actors on the red carpet promoting the movie. <laughs> it's such a hard, like you have to really want to do this job if you want to, or like you have to really be passionate about the film yeah. industry in order to do this job mm-hmm. because it's like, you have to, endure like the harsh conditions of the weather and then like there's times where like i've been on productions and you have to set up the you set up the whole scenes and that stuff and then somebody says no i don't like that so then you have to take everything back down and then you have to set up the new setup or whatever and it just takes time or whatever but you uh you push through and you just do the work and you hope and pray that you can achieve something great with the project and that it comes out looking great so that you can be proud to say that hey i was a part of this and mm-hmm. you can look back and like be like oh yeah i did that when i was starting out and mm-hmm. then just the things that you learned from each set but it's there's definitely like a very hard work aspect that like uh, to me when like, everybody's like what's the easiest job on a film set i was like there is no such thing as an easy job on a film set <laughs> because like the actors have to remember their marks they have to remember their lines sure. they have to do this they have to do that the director has to have all the shots and has to figure out how to convey the story. The DP has to figure out the lighting that matches that story, the so on and so forth. Like everybody, everybody's job is not easy when it comes to film. That's another, I don't think a lot of people realize that. Like even like sure. going into art department, they have to communicate oh. and they have to try and convey like the, they have to create the the look of like, you know, what it, does the room tell you about the, character or or like the costume designers what does their clothes tell you about the character and sure like and they have to make those clothes and that stuff or find those certain fabrics if you're like your period piece like i just watched uh once upon a time in hollywood oh yeah not too long ago yeah great. and like you know all the clothes in that movie it's like you have to find everything that matches 1969 or older and that stuff but everything has to match that era that they're conveying and yeah there's it's like there's no easy job on a film set that's as far a, as I'm concerned. No, hundred percent. That's a great, that's a great one liner. What's the easy job on the film set? There isn't one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it, you know, it's like, I'm sure there's plenty of other jobs like this, I'm sure, but you know, everybody has to pull their weight and everybody has to really do their job. And what I've found too, is like in, on real small sets, you almost have to do 110 or 120%. You know, it's like, this is only yeah. going to work if everybody really gives outside of themselves almost. Yeah. Yeah, like it's sorry. No, go, go, ahead. Ahead, go ahead. Oh, uh, it's it, it is one of those things that you just you you go into it ex- and you're just hoping that you can do the best the job to the best of your ability. Mm-hmm. And you just hope. Th- and but like the idea, like, you know, it's a whole collaborative process. There's no job is no, no job is more important than the others and that stuff. And it, it's like it, I don't look at it like a like the hierarchy, like a pyramid. I look at it like a chain. Like it's like, we're all everything. This job connects to this job and this job yeah. connects to this job. And if one of these jobs is out of sync, it causes problems for the jobs in the middle mm-hmm. and that stuff. And just not once one thing falls apart, everything seems to topple like a domino almost at that point. And so That's, like, if you have uh, everything set up properly, it can create a strong chain of command that yep. can create a good project. Hopefully. Hmm. Oh, that's great. I mean, 
clearly you've worked on a lot of sets because you've observed the way it really works, <laughs> the way it ought to work, I suppose. Yeah. Well, like, I think that's even more like with even some of the other jobs I've done. Like I used, like after high school, I worked in construction for a little mm -hmm. while. And okay. even just like the idea of that, like even looking at construction and that kind of stuff, like there's a lot of similarities even there with the sure. chain of command. There's the, there's the foreman or whoever's in charge. And then mm -hmm. there's all of us below and we all have our different jobs that we're doing and we have to, there's a goal that we're all trying to meet, but it's everybody's separate jobs is what makes us get to that point. Yes. Yes. And that stuff. And that very much plays into film as well. Yeah. hundred percent. So now with, um, with there will come a time, are you, I guess, were there takeaways from there that you're immediate? Like, are you going to shoot something again this summer that you're going to leapfrog on or where are you at with that? Um, I'm, like like the next project after this. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Okay. Yeah, like um I'm hoping that at some point maybe even like later in this month I might start attempting to put something together. Mm -hmm. But I've also gotten uh I, I got a gig coming up that uh where I'll be uh swinging I'll, I'll be a swing, so okay. I'm going between the grip and the gaff department mm -hmm. and I'll be working from like July 5th to like August 6th. Nice for like five weeks straight and at least it's like Monday to Friday and weekends off and that stuff. So at least I have like some pretty, like a month's worth of work coming up. So I get what, to at least do that. What project is that? And, uh, I don't know what the project is called, but uh, uh, the producer's name is Katrina Beatty. Oh yeah. Yep. And uh, Sam Reed was the, was going to be the swing originally and he couldn't make the shoot. So then he gave them my name and nice. now I'm going to be doing that shoot now. And I'm, grateful that he threw that opportunity my way so now sure. i can make some more money and just yeah. in that way i can use that money and even put it towards the next short or whatever and do it after mm -hmm. i've done that project or something like that so like it's just kind of a wait and see right now right but there are a couple other things that i'm working on right now that hopefully i hope to do within this year and then mm -hmm. um move on or and then also even put out like so like maybe there's like three things that i put out this year or something nice. like that. Nice. Okay. And if, hey man, if you need a hand with any of that stuff, definitely give me a, give me a oh, shout. Oh yeah, absolutely. I appreciate you offering that. I'll probably definitely be calling you at some point. Okay. Cause I, now I'm going to do this on the show, which is terrible, but next, <laughs> next Thursday I'm shooting something. It's unpaid. It's just for fun. Uh, next Thursday, if you're up, if you're up for it, I could use a hand, but again, it's not paid. So, <laughs> so I think it's the 17th. 17th yeah uh, da, da, da. i'm checking my schedule I, <laughs> this is good content right <laughs> <laughs> it's like just i'm gonna it's like it's just, like uh it's like doing like an engagement proposal on live tv it's like you can't say no no totally no you, please you, you, you can say no and put me in my place i'd have no problem with that <laughs> I'm actually free on the 17th, so I, I'm more than happy to help on anything. Okay, that right, day. right on. I well, am free that day, so cool. Because it's funny because I'll t tell him this, but he's like, it's all it's an outdoor daytime fight scene. Okay, and he's like, if you can come and DP, I've got a gaffer. I'm like, well, what's the gaffer gonna do for <laughs> for an outdoor daytime scene? I mean, maybe set up some bounce boards. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> but I think anyway, we can talk more about Put it up later. a nice flag. Yeah, sure, sure. Fl yeah, maybe a butterfly, I, but I don't know what he's working with. But uh, anyway, just wanted to put it out there before I forgot. Yeah, um, absolutely. And that unfortunately took me away from another stunning point I was going to make. 
Um, what were we talking about before this? Uh, we were talking about like uh, the that I was putting out. I was trying right. to attempt to put out three shorts and that stuff. Right. We're going off the rails. Um, <laughs> what I was go- <laughs> that's what the show's all about. It does happen. All right. I was going to ask: Have you have you ever have you ever considered getting a job outside of the industry to keep keep money flowing in, or are you one of those guys who's just committed to staying in it? I'm pretty committed, but there have been a couple points during this. Uh, whole COVID business that it's like, I was like, okay, I can't afford to keep living in Edmonton right now. So I'm going to move back home and try and save up my money and that stuff. And then I was looking at actually like getting like a part-time or a full-time job and just cameras or with Asquin or something like that. And it was just uh, also, but every time I try and uh, even like attempt that Mm -hmm. something film related always comes up and (laughs) also that's like, okay, now I'm back doing film again. All because like I was like looking at like I was even like thinking about delivering pizzas at one point and that oh, stuff and, oh, no. and uh, like I was looking at that and that stuff and I was like okay maybe I'll just do that for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Then uh, all of a sudden Sam and Justin contacted me and they're like okay we got this three day shoot coming up and I was like I'm gonna I am there I am there man fuck the, <laughs> then, fuck the pizzas I'm there <laughs> <laughs> pretty much like I, there was a part of me that wanted to deliver the pizzas just so I could show up to the door and say the line for spider-man 2 and just be like pizza time now but, that's uh, sure sure <laughs> but how how long would that retain its novelty you know what i mean it, it would get old pretty fast i go. think <laughs> but uh it would be funny for the people that are getting it but at, for me it'd be like okay it would get old after a while right but you'd just be so luckily, dead inside like, <laughs> yeah luckily like uh sam and justin nice got me on the three-day shoot and then while I'm there on that shoot, they're like, hey, we got something this next week. Are you available? And I was like, yes, yes. absolutely. So all of a sudden it's like week after week after week. And then all of a sudden it was like the week stopped and it was just like, okay, what else you got? What yeah. else you got? But oh boy, then it's like just trying to figure out what the next thing is and that stuff. So then I think at that point I had saved up enough money and I was able to buy some couple little things of gear or whatever nice. to for like I bought a couple lights and that stuff so I could okay. light interior scenes and that stuff. And then all right on. that way it was like, okay, now I can practice lighting stuff a little bit better but nice now it's like and then like the stuff that i would learn from like sam and justin and that stuff that I, working with them all the time then it's like you see great lighting and that stuff for yeah. like even other shoots and you kind of just look at like what the lights are doing as well and mm-hmm. just moving on from that point but just always always trying to learn something from everything that i do never trying to just go through something and just be like, okay, I just did, did that project. It's like, I'm always just looking for at least even like just the tiniest little thing to learn. And then that just gets stuck in my head. And then that's like, move on to the next thing. And I put that even towards the next project that I work on. Nice. Whether it's somebody else's or mine or whatever. That's great. I think that's the only way. I mean, that's really all you could do, I suppose. Right. Is just yeah. take, take what you learn. It's like, of course you stumbled, of course you made mistakes, but what did you take away from this that you can now, and that's kind of the beauty of it, getting to wake up and go to another shoot and just, I'm not going to make the same mistake twice. I'll make a new mistake this time. Yeah. And I think like that's the fun thing about this job is that it's it's never the same every time. Like every set is different. Mm-hmm. Every atmosphere is different. You know, this one might have been like the best thing that you've ever worked on. But then mm-hmm. you go on this and something might be better about this one or something might be even worse about this one. Right. And But like, or like, and then like you're, 
the cast is always different and you know or like sometimes you run into the same cast members especially yeah. with edmonton or <laughs> yeah. it's like there's only know, about 10, you, 10 of them 10 or 12 of them yeah <laughs> it's usually a lot of the same people after a while and you're like oh hey you get to see this person again and that stuff but then there's all of a sudden there's like a newcomer that appears and that stuff and then you get to know that person right and, or it's like you're working on a horror film one week and you're on an action comedy the next mm. or strictly a comedy after that and you know it's, it's or you're doing a commercial for bed sheets or whatever <laughs> like it's just like it, there's yeah. always something different and it's never the same there's no such thing as a normal day on a film set it's just everything is <laughs> different every time that's and no no two days are the same right it's like you, you, yeah you know you might this in some ways it is all the same but in other ways it's never the same if that makes any sense yeah absolutely <laughs> That's cool, man. But I, I definitely can identify with, like you say, is like you get a few solid weeks of work and Sam and Justin bring you on the team and then they don't have anything or they're going into post and it's like, oh my God, like that anxiety just. Yeah. Just, and you're just like, I still have a phone bill to pay. I have yep. credit card debt. I have to like, have, there's things I got to pay off and you got to figure out <laughs> how to do that and just find different ways to just make some money and that stuff for like mm-hmm. just. You know, like for a little bit, it was like, okay, I helped some people like with just yard work or whatever for a little bit there, or like you just do little things here and there just, just to make a quick buck, that kind of stuff. It's, it's cool though, because I, you, and not to put you on the spot here and you correct me if I'm wrong, but like you went back to live with your folks and that's whatever, but it's like they, they run an acreage or a farm or whatever. It's like, you're kind of, you're also working, right? Like you're, you're not just taking a free ride here. No, it, like uh, you're right. It's I'm not taking a free ride, and, and like they they told me like if you're ever in trouble, you're more than welcome to come back and move back in, and that, mm. that stuff. Like they're not. It's not like okay, you're 18, out the door you go, kind of thing. <laughs> right. it's, they're just like it's like because they've been in that position where they haven't had anywhere to go, so they're like they are great. Like I'm grateful for the parents that I have that my sister and I are able to grow up and learn from. Then mm-hmm. it's like okay, you know, you look after your loved ones you take care of everybody you don't just shut them out or whatever it's like okay you're going to do this bye yeah that kind of stuff it's like and it's like but you know at the same time it's like okay you're living here you're gonna help out with yard work like you know Mm -hmm. mow the lawn or you know help move this or you know like they've been doing some remodeling in the house here and there so like i'm helping with that every once in a while and Mm. nice when I when I was still living in Edmonton, I came back for Christmas or whatever. I was able to quarantine, and then I came back for Christmas and that stuff, and able to visit. And then, like it was a few days before my sister and her boyfriend were coming down, and all of a sudden it was like we were putting the living room back together because there was it was all torn apart. So then you're putting the walls up, and you're painting nice. the walls, and then you're putting oh, the man. roof back together, the new roof in, and that stuff, and then. And then just enough that it's like, then you lay out all these carpets on the floor because there's no flooring yet. Mm-hmm. And then you're just like putting all the, and then you're moving all the furniture back into the living room. And then all of a sudden it's like, okay. And it's, and then literally that night, then they come in, show up and my sister and her boyfriend show up. And then it's like, okay. And now we have all this room and no, that's not all the furniture's in the dining room right next to the kitchen. And it's like all <laughs> of a sudden really crowded and stuff like that. Sure. That's cool, man. It- and it, but you could see then how someone who didn't have the support you had would would give up on a dream, you know, and just go take the first job they could get. And 
I don't, you know, that wouldn't be healthy. It would be, but you could understand why they'd have to do it. Oh, absolutely. Like it's, I totally get like, the, you know, at the end of the day, you have to worry about yourself. Like I know, like there's some people, it's like, you should be worried about everybody around you. It's like, you should take care of yourself first mm-hmm. because that's the most important thing is like, whether it's your mental health or mm-hmm. physical health, but it's just also making sure that you're taking care of yourself first. And, you know, it's yeah. okay to put others before yourself but there's there comes a point where it's like you have to think about what's best for you at the end of the day because it's your yeah. life that you're living you're you're not living somebody else's life totally that kind of thing it, it, that's right it is your life that you're living and plus you're no good to other people if you're in shitty shape you know yeah yeah and i often and we don't have to i often wonder about when you see people who, like you say, living other people's lives are just spouting off these ideas of whatever, whatever it may be, just advocating for other people. And that's fine and good, but that can take a toll on a person too, where there's just all this energy is going out to other causes and nothing's coming back from that. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I, and I, like when I was younger, you know, like it's like I was always kind of doing that where it's like, you know, oh, I got to help this person with this and I got to help this person with that. Mm-hmm. And it gets, and you're helping people with all their things and that stuff. But at the end of the day, you're like, I haven't done anything to help myself. And so you kind of just get focused on that. And all of a sudden it's like, okay, you start like for me, I started learning all the technical aspects of the job. And then I just started just analyzing movies and TV shows Mm -hmm. that I would watch and that stuff. And then it's like, you just look at the way like a scene is lit and you're trying to figure out, okay, where's the, where the lights at and that stuff. And, or you just go about figuring out how to better yourself. Like um, the nice thing about this whole, pandemic was that i was able to change my eating habits nice eating less junk food and then i was able to work out more and really just start learning proper workout techniques so i could try and get myself into even better shape now and that stuff and nice i've been working really hard at that the last little while so that's been great and just trying to better myself now that's great well and that that's been the story of covid for a lot of people like obviously with all due respect to people whose lives were ruined or people that died or whatever but the yes. shift that happened in society really that it was a great, and I guess maybe in some ways we're coming to the end of it here, but this last year and a half has been a real opportunity to see what you're made of and what you want to be going forward. Yeah, absolutely. Like it's, I found that for myself, it was just like, okay, I was just sitting on the couch day after day after day. And it was like, okay, this can't be the only thing that I can, that I should be doing. Like right. I should be doing, anything to just try and better myself and like i had a there was all these biking trails nearby too so i was able Mm -hmm. to get on the bike and go riding down these trails and that stuff all the way down to like the walterdale bridge and that stuff and nice come all the way back up to these hills and that stuff and it was a great cardio workout and all of a sudden it was like i was losing so much weight and then eating better and that (laughs) stuff and making actual like homemade meals for myself and that stuff and learning how to properly cook for myself and just cool how to uh, do that for myself and just make myself a more rounded person, but also just uh, find a way to just keep myself busy, even just like some physical activity and yep. any sense of sense of it and just finding just bettering myself so that I, I don't, cause like there was like times where I looked at photos, I would see photos from like events or whatever for films. And it's like, you kind of realize it's like, Oh, I'm starting to get a little, uh, <laughs> a little rounded here. A little chunky. <laughs> <laughs> little chunky here and there and then you're like okay then it's like uh start 
working out more and just learning like the techniques to like that what burns fat more and that stuff mm-hmm. and just mm-hmm. um and what builds muscle better and just all the different aspects that I just never really got to learn as a kid or anything like that. And sure. like, I wasn't like, uh, I wasn't, I would work out here and there in high school, but I wasn't like the guy that was always in the gym or anything like that. It was like, <laughs> I loved, I loved gym class because it was just the opportunity to get out of the classroom and just move around. Totally. <laughs> but it was just like, at the end of the day, it was like, like, I think high school, it was like, there was a point where, uh, it was like I had gym class in the morning, but I also had like, a thing called work experience. Okay. So like I would work with the principals or something like that. Like oh. I would do any jobs for them or whatever, but then gym classes right after that. And so sometimes I would skip gym classes and just continue working for them into that period. And uh-huh. then I had a free period at the end of the day. So I could do gym at the end of the day Okay. with a different class and that stuff. But sometimes it's like, okay, you go to your gym class and then there's also the opportunity to go to a second gym class at the end of the day as well. So nice. they kind of, <laughs> keep in shape that way but it sure. was like uh there were some times where it was like you know what my friend patrick who's doing the music uh he's when we would hang out in high school it was just like oh well we'll just get in my car and we'll just drive around town at the end of the day and <laughs> kill we'll some just time. like there was like the one day they were playing baseball at, out at diamonds or whatever and mm-hmm. we just drove up and we <laughs> we ran to the gas station grabbed some ice cream sandwiches and we drove back and we just parked behind the thing and we just watched them all all my classmates just played baseball <laughs> for the end of the day and that stuff while, while eating ice cream. While eating ice cream. Yeah. <laughs> that's interesting. <laughs> no, that's, that's interesting though. What a hell of a school day. Yeah. Work, work, gym, gym. Yeah. It, like, it was like, there, there was all the other stuff like science and oh, okay. uh, language arts and math and that stuff. But like in, in between there, but like, that's like that, those two started my day in high like mm-hmm. the last year of high school. And then, I had a free period at the end of the each day for so all of a sudden it was sure. like there was nothing to do. So I could either go home early if I wanted or because sure. my buddy and I were always had the same free period. It was just like we just hung out and we just went and did another gym class or we would actually go into like the workout gym or whatever and lift okay. weights and that stuff. But I was like unsure of all the techniques. So I was like, uh, I don't really know what I'm doing here. <laughs> I just kind of just know it's like lift. That's about it. Yeah, now it's like okay, like oh. you know, like the repetitions, you sure. know, like I've I've learned all that stuff, and it's just like okay, now it's like bettering myself physically so that I can continue to do my job because there was times like where you do a shoot and you're yeah. just like so exhausted at the end of the day, and you're just like physically drained, and you're just like there are points where it's like you question like why do I do this again? <laughs> yes, <laughs> there are those kind of moments here and there, but yes, then it's like then, but then you see the. After the product after the fact and you're like okay that's why i do it and that yeah stuff. And, that's a good point. or you do a project after that and it's like a really good project and you have so much fun with the cast and the crew mm-hmm. and you just have a great time making the project that it's like you it reminds you why you love making movies and stuff like that absolutely a little bit of pain is necessary yeah i i was gonna it's funny though because i put a fair bit of time into weightlifting as well maybe not so much into cardio, but into the weights. And it, it does help for working on film sets to be strong or conditioned. Yeah. Right. And I try not to be judgmental and there's plenty of people out there stronger than me, but when you see guys your own age who are unfortunately not putting that commitment into their body and you see them hurting on a film set or they can't do something or they're complaining about lower back, it's kind of like, I'm really not going to be the judge here because it's your life. But also it's like, you know, there's a solution for that. Right. 
yeah and i and i've seen that many times where it's like like there was times where um because like uh when i was going to nate for two years to learn about film and that mm-hmm. stuff it was uh there was a project that we did where you know everybody's put into different positions and i got to be a camera operator on, mm. on this one short mm-hmm. and you're carrying the camera around all day and that stuff and i started feeling it in like my upper back and that stuff and even when i did like sure do grip jobs and that stuff and after a while like you start feeling it in your upper back and that stuff and I, so i started learning exercises that strengthen the back and that stuff nice. and like now it's like when i go on to shoots and that stuff i don't hurt at the end of the day anymore all of a sudden it's like you feel like you're ready for the next thing you're just like okay what else you got? Give it to me. Yeah, I'm here yeah. to I'm here to work. Yeah. Why Why do you think, like you were saying, when when the pandemic started, that you were sitting on the couch and then you started to feel like, oh, there's got to be more to it, more that I could do, right? And then you started doing your, you know, getting into nutrition and fitness and all that. Is, what is it inside you that that you felt like there's more to life than this? Like because you could have just wasted away on the couch, right? Yeah. But why didn't you? Uh, I think it was just the, like, you know, I didn't have a job through like school or anything like that. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't, I just liked being able to come home at the end of the day, relax, watch show or a movie and that stuff. And all of a sudden it's like, you know, the pandemic hits and that stuff. And all of a sudden work just comes to a halt. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden you find yourself back in that kind of like mindset of like the 13 year old kid that just (laughs) didn't want to do anything. And you're just like, right. And you're like, I'm at that point, it was like, okay, I'm like when it started, I was 24 and it's like, uh, 24 years old. Like I should, and I walk and like, I, when I go upstairs, my knees hurt, like I should be, (laughs) that shouldn't be happening. And that stuff, like at 24, I should be like able to jump long distances and not hurt or (laughs) something like that, like, or, or something like that, or just lift something and not feel like I'm going to break or something like that. So it was like, okay, I should just start figuring out how to better myself and mm. just wanting to, cause before the pandemic, I was getting so much work that it's like, you know, you're keeping busy all the time. All of a sudden when you're back into that uh, point in your life where you didn't want to do anything, mm-hmm. but you're at that point where it's like, you love having something to do. It's like, you're looking to put that energy towards something and you're just like, okay, like let's figure out how to, be how to progress myself even more like I've progressed myself in like my work ethic and that stuff or like just in my career but I hadn't progressed myself as a person physically or anything like that and it was like okay how do I just find little ways to progress myself with each day just always finding something to just keep myself hmm. feel like I'm always moving forward rather than just standing still and just not going anywhere hmm. that was kind of like the motivation to start uh, fixing things in my life or just tweaking things with myself. Cool. Essentially. Well, that's cool, man. I, I think most people probably are like that, you know, but it, I'm just fascinated by what that is in a person, that spirit that just says, I have to, I guess it's how we evolved maybe, or like just to keep going, right. Keep progressing, keep yeah. learning, keep driving. Yeah. Like I, 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 I don't know. It's, it's a really hard thing to describe because it's, it was just one of those days where it was just like, I think I wasn't really helping my roommate like with any of the chores around the house too. <laughs> and like, I was just kind of like in a depressed state and I was just like, mm. and I was just like wanting to work, but it was just like, okay, well, it's like, why not just take the little steps forward and just 
keep pushing yourself to do little things and that way. And then, mm-hmm. and my roommate had asked me like, Hey, can you just kind of pull your weight around here? And I, it just was like that something just kind of clicked uh-huh. in my brain. That's like, it's, it was just like something, a little switch had been flipped. And I was like, you know what? I should just, he's right. I should just pull my weight around here, but I should also just find ways to just keep pushing myself forward and that stuff. And all of a sudden it was like, hmm. all of a sudden, like I was like, what, uh, 190 pounds at one point, And I, all of a sudden was like by the end of the first lockdown i was back i was down to like 175 nice. pounds and that stuff nice. so all of a sudden That's it was just easy. like this big weight train weight change and that stuff but all of a sudden it was like like when i go for walks or stuff like that it's mm-hmm. like you have that energy to yes. you're just like like there's points like i would go walk around the neighborhood when i was in edmonton and it's like you're looking down this long street and it's like nobody's <laughs> around and you're like why do I have like the urge to just start like running like Tom Cruise just down the street just for no reason? Apparently <laughs> that's a good thing. I think the, yeah. ur- the urge to run. Did you ever do it? Yeah. Did you ever just take off in a sprint? I did actually, I did it uh, from like one end of the street to the other. And when nice. I get to the other end of the street and you're not as out of breath, all of a sudden you're like, yeah. and you just want to keep going and you're like, okay, this is like so foreign to me. Right. Like I'm not, I'm like used to like going for, runs like back in gym class or something like that and you're just like five minutes into it and you're like wheezing and you're like i'm just i don't want to do this anymore i I hate hate this this (laughs) but it was like you know you just start running down the street and that stuff and you're like actually like pumped and you're just like it was just like that felt it felt so relieving to do it or something like that and it didn't feel like a chore or like it, it wasn't like a burden to be like oh i have to run or whatever it's like it was like I just want to run. I'm, I don't know why. I just want to run. So I just started sprinting and I did it the one time. And I was like, man, I should have actually started timing myself to see how fast it took, how totally. long it took me to get down the street and right. that stuff. But I, I always forget to do it. That's yeah. Well, Hey, as long as you're doing it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's great, man. I, uh, I love to hear stories like that where people just took the initiative and I guess, you know, it's like for a lot of guys, maybe guys that you've met, it's like work becomes that, that thing. I just, that's what I pour myself into. I pour myself into my job and that's where I find meaning and all that. But, and that's fine, obviously. Well, I guess that for COVID and during the time of COVID, it was a great time to just like flip that back and try and find meaning and pour the energy back into, into ourselves. That's how it was for me. Yeah. And it sounds like for you too. Yeah. Right 100%. on. Cool. Well, Brandon, thanks a lot for the time buddy it was great chat and i was glad to hear about uh what you're working on oh thank you for having me i really appreciate it i was really excited when you contacted me that it's like hey you want to come do this i was like oh sweet (laughs) (laughs) i could actually i I i've never really gotten to do like podcast interviews before okay that i always like i always like wondered to myself like i wonder what that's actually like to do or how like it always sounded like just like a fun idea to sure something fun to do or whatever and I just never really get to like chat and like, you know, I think with a lot of people, it's like, okay, they really don't get to know me on set or whatever. Cause I am, sure. like I said, such a focused worker and it's like, this is like a kind of a cool little opportunity to just really showcase myself and just my views or just what I think. And just hopefully just people enjoy it. Yeah, totally. Oh, I think they will. And if they don't, that's their problem. It's not our, we, yeah. we did the best we could. <laughs> Yeah, we did our best. <laughs> I thought you were a great guest, man. Like you brought a lot and you weren't afraid to just go off on whatever came to mind, which is exactly what the show needs. Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate that. I, I do have opinions about stuff. I just 
don't share them too often, but it's like sometimes it's like, okay, this is my view. Take it or leave it. What do you think? Like it's just yep, just the way I am. But no, nope. it's I, I like I've done like what was it? Uh, Highway thirteen. They, like we were having people go around to interview us for like oh, the neat. behind the scenes or whatever. Sure. And uh, I was told that I was a, one of the best interviewers, and I was just like, uh, oh, okay, really? <laughs> I just I just always thought it was just such a fun thing to just go on a show or mm-hmm. and talk about the projects that you're working on or just having chats and that kind of thing just no doubt it just always seemed like a fun idea to me like especially like you know if i want to move into acting more and that kind of stuff it's like okay sure i have to at least have that personality to go on to something and you just kind of have the opportunity to talk about something but you look like you sound comfortable talking about something or just finding that way to become more open to talking about stuff as well right yeah it's something about expressing yourself right in a way that's like pretty pure like without any hesitation yeah and just being bold enough to just step into like that uh out of the comfort zone of like Mm -hmm. you know keeping to yourself or something like that and just being open to like just being like okay like you asked me a question like here's Mm -hmm. my opinion on the topic like even like all the stuff about like the blue collar towns and that kind of stuff. Like right. I wasn't expecting any of those questions, but it was fun to just kind of be able to like give my point of view on that subject. Cool. Yeah, no, that's, that's kind of, well, I'm glad that you didn't expect it. Cause then you didn't, you, what you said was right from the, from the heart. I would assume. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It was, and it's like, I've, I've had those kind of conversations with my parents many times and mm-hmm. it's just like, it's, it's just a thing of life that, everybody's going to have different opinions about something, but Mm. it's just being confident enough to just, okay, here's my point of view of the subject. This is what I think. Like, Mm -hmm. if you don't like it, that's your business. Mm -hmm. This is just what I think. Yeah. At the end of the day. I think, I think we could all use a little more of that of just like, this is my point of view. It's solely mine. It's just happens to come from me right or wrong. When I throw it at you, you don't, have to put a judgment on it you could just you know take it for what it is one person's point of view one point on the spectrum you know yeah absolutely now no, was, uh, this is great right on now your last name knutson is that yeah knutson any relation to jim knutson uh i don't know i don't know doesn't jim come to mind Knutson's. okay no i was just someone that my dad worked with years ago and i i remember hanging out with him a little bit he had a son Justin, I think, was the son. <clears throat> anyway, it's probably fairly mm-hmm. common. Yeah, I have met a few other Knutsons over the years, and it's like there's no relation oh, okay. whatsoever. So it is it it does pop up every once in a while, but like uh, it's funny because my my family's from Norway, right? Uh, like like, like actually, actually Norway, like, yeah, yeah. Like we're actually like Norwegian, <laughs> okay. And uh, uh, like it was my great grandfather who moved here from norway okay or immigrated here from norway so it's, I, I didn't realize until like not too like earlier this year like when i was talking with my dad about mm-hmm. it he was just like yeah it's actually that you're the generations are that close to like when we first moved here that's, and that stuff because then it was like my grandpa's dad and that stuff. so i didn't even know that until like recently interesting was so, when they moved here was it like i'm just curious like new norway that was is there a connection there? Like, was it Norwegian immigrants that clustered there originally, or 
I I don't know the origin of the town really. It's okay. it's one of those things that I've never gotten a chance to learn or anything, or mm-hmm. it's hard to learn about it. But mm. I, I I would imagine that somebody, some group of Norwegians moved here or something. But yeah. just with the fact that it is New Norway, but I I don't know. It's it's a town that's or a village that's been here for quite a few years. Like mm. I on my way to my parent, like coming here, there's a sign next to this field that says it's the original site of the town okay before it moved across like when the train tracks got installed and that stuff oh. so it moved to the other side of the train tracks so it could have this big highway put next to it that stuff but hmm. it's yeah it's one of those things that i i've never really thought about looking into or anything mm. like that before but it's it's a it's a mystery with this town everybody's like are you sure your family didn't just like <laughs> discuss like create the town or anything like that. I'm like, yeah. ah, I don't think it's, I don't yeah. think it's that. Is this even a real town or is it just a sign? You know? <laughs> yeah. So do you, there, there have, there have been people that have actually asked me like, is that a real place? And it's like, right. Yes. Yes. I, I went to school there. I grew up there. It exists. Like, <laughs> there's a big sign. It says new Norway. <laughs> That's crazy because like I said, never heard of it. And it's three, just a few hundred people you reckon. Yeah. Like I, I, I I don't even know like it, it might even be like maybe less than two hundred people almost. Wow. I, I don't know. I I don't, I couldn't even tell you who lives on any of the blocks anymore. Mm. Um, just because so many people have moved around or sure. moved away over the years that it's like you know you don't even know who lives in the town anymore. Mm. But it that's just the fact of not being very social with people. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not a social. It's not really a social time these days, is it? No, not really. Well, even before this, mm. I wasn't that social. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, so this is nothing to you. It's just the same old. Yeah. Hey, but I, I respect that man because sometimes I find as I've gotten older, I'm getting more outgoing, and then I'm sometimes I'm like, why? Why did you have to talk? You know, yeah. <laughs> you never used to talk, and now you have a podcast. So what the hell happened to you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've had that where it's like, huh? You have your voice and your opinions now, or you say this, and you're just like. Should you have said that? <laughs> eh, whatever. That's just kind of like go with it. It's like as you get older, I think you just stop caring what people think at that point. And you're just like, if you like me, you like me. If you don't like me, bye. Bye. At least, at <laughs> yeah. least, if you feel good about your point of view, usually in expressing, for sure, you're going to have some regrets here and there. But I guess that is it. As you get older, you get a bit more comfortable in just what you are and who you are. Yeah, absolutely. Right on. Well, again, Brandon, thanks a lot, man. It was a good talk, and I I look forward to working together with you again, hopefully sooner than later. Yeah, absolutely. I would love to work with you on something sooner rather than later, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Let's and get... I really appreciate you inviting me onto this podcast, man. I really appreciate it. I had a great time talking with you. Hey, right on. My pleasure, man. And your, your trailer for your short film, it's called There Will Come a Time. Uh, there will come a day. There will come a day. Oh, I botched it. Sorry. There will come a day. It's, it's on <laughs> no, YouTube. All good. There's a link in the yeah. in the notes for this show. People can check it out. And uh, yeah, when you do check it out, give a thumbs up because it's a cool little piece of work that you did. Oh, I appreciate that. It was fun to edit it all together and that stuff because I put that all together myself. And uh, and if anybody wants to like just follow what I do in general, I have my Instagram at real Brandon Knudsen on Instagram and that's where I usually post a lot of my work stuff mostly. So if they want to follow me, that's the place to be right on, man. Okay. We'll link to that as well. Yeah. Give him a follow and check out his work. Thanks, Brandon. Yeah. Thanks Patrick. Appreciate it.
Tschüss. Thank you for listening to the North Bank Media Podcast. If you enjoy this conversation, please subscribe on YouTube and give us a like. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please subscribe as well and leave a five-star review. Thank you.